It is just so good to be here tonight. And we are in a series called Thrive. And uh, there we go. Love the graphics. They're fresh, as my wife would say. They're fresh, aren't they, Natalie? And, uh, you know, this is a series uh, that we started last week and uh, we're continuing here tonight. So I'm going to pray before we come around the Word. Father God, we're so grateful for the house of God. We're so grateful for each other and we thank you as we go into the Word of God here tonight that you would touch us, you would speak to us. We thank you, Lord God, that tonight we'll hear your heart through this message, God. So touch each of us. I thank you we all leave different to how we came in, in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, Amen. Well, I've got a title to my message tonight, but I'm only going to give you half of it. I've never done this before. You're getting half now and half at the end. So do remind me, if I don't give it to you at the end, someone shout out to remind me. But the first half of the title of my message tonight is, If It's Sunday. Everyone says, If It's Sunday. You'll get it at the end, the remainder of it. So thrive. I love the meanings around this word. This is some of the meanings around thrive. To grow, develop, prosper, be successful, be healthy, be strong, and flourish. Aren't they great words? Great words. I'm a father of three uh, delightful young children. And when I look at those words, I as a father want every single one of them for my kids. Every single one of them. I would love to see them grow into and move into in their life. I would love to see them thrive and develop and prosper and, and be successful at whatever God calls them to do, to, to be healthy in their bodies and their minds, to be, to be strong and to flourish. As a father, I love to see all of them move into that. Our Heavenly Father in heaven, He is exactly the same for us. He wants all of those things, not a few of them. He wants us, without a shadow of a doubt, He wants us to be living in all of those things. He wants us to thrive. There's no doubt about it. And there's a scripture on the bottom right-hand corner here that's attached to this uh, series we're doing right now on Thrive. And it says this. This is out of Psalms 92, 12 to 14. It says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. What a great few verses out of the Word of God. And I just want to highlight a few things before we move on here tonight. And the first is it talks about those that are planted. You've got to be planted. You need to be planted in the house of God. That's where you're setting yourself up to flourish. That's where you're setting yourself up for the future, when you're actually planted in the house. Not like pot plant, like you kind of move around, like, you know, oh, I'm a Christian. Do you go to church? Yeah, I move around and I'm in this church one week and that. No, you're not in a pot plant. You plant yourself. And when you plant yourself, I think the best way to do it is like you plant, plant yourself. Like you're like, this is it. This is where I'm at. Unless I move out of the region or there's like ex big circumstances, I'm just, I find my home and it's my home and I stay. I stay. A few years ago, I, uh, I planted some lily pillies at my house. 
I, uh, I kind of have quite a vacant backyard and I'd, when I'd moved in, I'd worked on one garden and then I thought, I want to put some lily pillies around the back. I, I don't know, a bit of a screen for the house and uh, I started to build this quite, you know, I had to build quite a long kind of uh, a bed uh, to do these and I, I put six lily pillies in one section and then I started working on the whole back and it's a long fence, it's like 27 metres, so it's a lot of planting out. And I started planting these lily pillies, and because it took me a while to uh, prepare and you know get all the you know the thing all done, I was kind of planting them as I went. And then I I think I hit summer, and then the ones that I planted first took off really well. And then I found myself the ones as I went down were were struggling. I kind of got them in a bit later, and I hadn't maybe watered enough, and I put down some black sheeting to stop the weeds, but I hadn't put enough holes for the water. And and the ones that I really wanted to go well were right where there's one window at the house at the back that looks into my window. And that was exactly the area I was struggling. So I came up with a brilliant idea. I looked across at the first six that I'd done in the first section. I thought, I'm going to move three of them. They're looking strong. They're healthy. They're like six foot tall. So I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move these suckers. So uh, I had a few that had died and, uh, and I dug and I thought, I've watched a lot of uh, Better Homes and Gardens, like Friday nights for a decade with young kids has been full of uh, the living room and better homes and gardens. I know how to do this. So I got out my shovel. I thought, okay, I've just got to dig and get a good root system out with the soil and I'll move these plants. Well, as I was digging, it didn't quite go as I planned because I just kind of realized that for some reason, this root system, the soil wasn't staying with it. So by the time I got these plants out, there was actually very little soil with the root system. But anyway, I went ahead because I prepared the holes and I, and I planted these. I moved these lily pillies. Well, it didn't take very long to, 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 for me to realise that they were in Struggle Street, that these lily pillies were, like, not doing too well. One of them very quickly showed me that its life was ending and there was nothing I could do about it. The whole, the whole tree died. The other two lost about 80% of their leaves and I'm 18 months later and they still haven't recovered. They're still, they're probably at about 70% of their leaves. They've still got about 30% to go. And the ones next to them are just caning. And I keep having to chop them off, which is annoying because by now if they were good, they'd be covering that window. But I'm like, they're just not growing tall. And I was reminded about that. Even though they were planted, the moving of the plant didn't do them too well. And I think in church life, even if you're planning for a season, don't be kind of uproot and move, uproot and move, uproot and move, uproot. Because it just does stuff. It takes a while and you might not make it through as well as you want. Plant yourself in the house. Those who are planted, they shall. That's a promise. It's not they might, they could, they shall. It's a promise. They shall flourish in the courts of our God. Man, I love being around the things of God and I love being in His home, in the courts of God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. I'm looking forward to bearing fruit now, but also in old age. And I love this, they shall be fresh and flourishing. I don't buy too many clothes for myself, but if I ever buy new clothes and I kind of, when I come home, I like to try them on and show my wife and I kind of walk out and I go, look, new shirt. And so often she goes, oh, that looks so fresh. She, she likes how it looks on me, the new look, the new thing. And, and I just know we're in the house of God. That's how we leave. We, we get things on us in this place. And we go into our week and we're, we're fresh again. We're, we're ready for the week. We're ready for what's going to happen at work. We're full of more life. If we stay at home and watch some boring thing on TV, we're fresh. 
we're flourishing. We're, it's about the house of God. It's the place we, we get the anointing. It's the place where we get ready for what the week will throw. We, we get fresh. We flourish. But it's all when we're planted. It's all when we, we come and we, we, we walk into the promises of God. And I love that. I want to walk into the promises of God. And one thing I know is that I am privileged beyond words that all the days of my life here on earth, so far, I've made it to the house of God. From a young boy, I've been in the house of God. As a teenager, I've been in the house of God. In my 20s, I've been in the house of God. Before kids, I was in the house of God. As a family man, I'm in the house of God. And I just know what church has done for me. It has been a rock. It has been a rock. You see, we're not promised this perfect life as a Christian. It's not like come to Christ and everything works out perfectly and there's never... We go through seasons, but to flourish and pop out of them well... It's the house of God that plays such a significant role in that. And I've, I know this because I've journeyed through some life. I'm 41. That's where you all go, no way. And I've gone through some stuff and I've lived through some things and I just know that the house of God has been a rock for my life. I know as a young boy when my family unit was disintegrating that it was because I was in the house of God, God gave me another family within the house of God to, to look upon and think, there is going to be hope for me when I'm married. There is, it doesn't always have to end the way my family ended. This is a family unit in the house of God that uh, I was close to and I saw flourishing and I saw how a Christian relationship could go and could work out and was in the house of God. It's in that place where God enables us and surrounds us. And as you walk through life, you're going to need good friends. And I tell you what, I know the best friends I've ever found, they've all come from one place and it's in the house of God. It's been in God's house that I've found friends that have stood with me through thick and through thin, who have led me on a good path. I'm not saying every friend you'll meet will be perfect, but the ones that I just knew were God-appointed friendships, that, that's what they've done for me. And I knew as a young teenager and into my 20s and beyond that these friends are the ones that are going to carry me in life and will be there when I need them to be. Where did I find them? It was in the house of God. And this is the place. This is the way God has it. This is where He would like us all to flourish. And Jesus led. He led in such a wonderful way. We read in Luke 2 that, Jesus' parents lost Jesus. Now, we know a bit about Jesus at birth and then quite a lot about him, you know, at the age of 30, those last three years. And there's not a lot at all written in the Scriptures about the middle age, but there is this story. And his parents didn't just lose him for a minute or two. Three days. Three days. Three days. But where was he? Was he out fishing with mates? Was he playing a Nintendo Switch at a buddy's house? He was in the Father's house. He was in the house of God. He was about his Father's business. He led and he illuminated the importance of the house. And we know from Scripture the church meant 
the world to Jesus. And we don't have time to really sink our teeth into a study of this tonight. I would encourage you one day to study the house because there is so much in the Scriptures. I'll just lean into a few things here. I love it that in Matthew 16 that Jesus says to Simon, uh, hey, you're no longer going to be Simon, you're going to be Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. He knew what he was doing. Jesus was always setting up for the house of God, for the church to be built, and it mattered to him. We know out of Scripture that the the house of God meant so much that it says that he shed his own blood. Acts 20, 28, pay careful attention to yourselves, to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseas, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood blood. Jesus gave his life to the church. The church is precious to Jesus. And I think it is a good reminder to us to know that the church matters to Jesus. It was purchased. It was obtained with his very own blood. He paid a price. He paid the biggest price. The church matters to Jesus and it needs to matter to us. And the church, it'll never be perfect but it matters to Jesus and it needs to matter to us. We need to love the church. We need to view it through the lenses of God sometimes. We need to know that this place is important. It's worth sowing time into. It's worth sowing energy into. It is worth being those who build the house of God because it was obtained by His blood We also know that the the, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. In Ephesians 5, it tells us that. It tells us that. It tells us, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should, should be holy and without blemish. There's this thing right now happening where he's up in heaven and we're on earth and it's like bridegroom and bride and one day there will be this last supper there'll be this reunion but right now we're the bride of Christ it's the church it's the church and it matters and I I think about that and I think let's always talk well about the church because it's his church and this is his bride if you say some bad words about my bride here tonight you got me to deal with. You might think there's not much here, but I'll tell you in that moment, some things will come out. And I think sometimes we just need to be kind of like that about the church. Like, this is the house of God. This is, this is a glorious place. And we speak well and we uplift the leaders of the house and we pray for the house and we sow into the house because this is none other than the house of God. It's the bride of Christ and it matters. It matters. It's a wonderful place. Speak well of this bride. Scripturally, the church is referred to that Jesus is the head of the church. We read that in Ephesians 1, 22, 23. And God placed all things, all things under his feet and appointed him, that's Christ, to be head over everything for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I love the message version of the same scriptures. He is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything, 
At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Isn't that beautiful? This church, this word that comes from the Greek word ecclesia, which is referring to not a building, it's referring to us. It's an assembly. It's the called out ones. That is the church. It is us. And we can come into a building and look around, but we are the church. You are the church. It's us. It's us. And that's why it's so precious to Jesus. He doesn't care about Jiprock and bricks, really. He cares about the people. He cares about the souls that are represented in the house of God. That's why it is so precious to Him, because it is about the people. It is about the people. And there's a lot of things that come and go in the world. There's a lot of organizations and things get built. And, but I'll tell you what. Jesus founded the church, and for 2,000 years, the church has been going and will continue to go. The church, it is everlasting. There's no other plan B. Plan A is, this is God's mechanism. This is the tool to reach the towns and the cities of the nations is the church. The church, and it matters, and these minutes matter every single week. They matter. We've got a prop here tonight. Been waiting a while. It's taken 11 years to use a prop in this particular shape, but tonight it is coming out. I'll ask Chris to bring it out. Yes, we have a surfboard being used in an illustration, and every surfer, which there's no one else out there. Actually, no, we've got one. Where's Matt? We have another surfer in the building. Come on. But bear with me, are we good? Yesterday, Saturday morning, I drove to the ocean. I got up very early. I left in the dark and met a friend down at the beach. We searched high and low for quite some time, looking at four different surfing locations to go out. It was windy. It was raining. We ended up in the coffee shop. (laughs) However, after being there for two hours... I was determined to not go home unless I got salt on the skin. I needed to find at least a place to at least go for a swim in the ocean or hopefully a surf. So I kept looking. So goodbye to my friend and I kept the hunt alive. And I went back to one spot. We had uh, looked in the pouring rain, uh, you know, an hour, hour and a half earlier. But uh, I went kind of another three, four, five hundred metres up the beach and I found what looked like possibly a surfable wave. So I went and parked my car. And I started to get all the things I needed to go for my surf. So I had the board shorts were on. I had a wetsuit top. And I got the board out. This is a surfboard. My surfboard, it's got wax on the front. It's a bit of an old one. It's it's one of my favorites, this one, though. This is called a grip pad, deck grip. That was there. They're fins so you don't slide on the wave, so you get some traction underneath. I grabbed, put my surfboard down. I have many surfboards for someone who lives out west, and sometimes I've got to move equipment around. So I pulled the surfboard out just like that. Yes, I laid it on the ground, put some wax on it. I thought, I need my leg rope. So I have a couple of leg ropes. So I grabbed my leg rope. I was ready to go. Actually, I added sunscreen to the 
I added sunscreen. Okay, I put sunscreen on. The sun's up, I need sunscreen. And I grabbed my board. I was really excited, quite excited to go for a surf. So I ran down. I had to park my sticker to get into the car park, you know, because Northern Beaches, you need parking stickers. And anyway, I've always got one on my car, but I lent it to my brother the other day. hadn't given it back. So anyway, I had to park down a side street. I grabbed my board and I ran down very, very excited down to the ocean. And I got on the edge. I threw my board down. Some surfers do stretches, but I don't. And I threw my board down. I got my leg rope out. And I went to put my leg rope on my board. This is really kind of crucial to get all of this happening so that you don't lose your board out in the surf. You don't have to swim after it. That you've got a little bit of safety, some buoyancy. In case you get in trouble, you just grab your board. You don't have to worry about rips as much as a swimmer. And I went to put my, sur- my leg rope on my surfboard and I came up with a problem. And that is on the back of the board, see that little hole there? It's meant to have a little surfboard string in it. So you can attach your leg rope. But as I stood there on the side, I realized that I didn't have the string. Do you want to know what it looks like? That's the string. And that one tiny little, I don't know, 20 cent piece of cotton or whatever it's made out makes such a significant difference because without that, I can't attach the leg rope to the board and the whole thing's not complete. It's not ready to go out and do what I'm meant to do, and then I'm in trouble. The waves are big. I lose the board. I've got to swim after the wave. I miss out on catching waves. I could seriously get in trouble and be a bit closer to drowning. It's not what my wife wants to hear. But this one little thing, it connects it all together. And I actually went surfing that morning without the leg rope. I did okay that morning. But it's only a matter of time before you go out there and you have surf in certain size swells and you get yourself in trouble. The little rope's important. And church, it may be one hour and 15 minutes out of 168 hours of the week, but it matters. It's important. It's critical for our lives. It's critical for your future. If you want to flourish and you want to thrive in life, it matters. These minutes right now matter. And I want to congratulate you because you're here tonight. You're in the best place. But one of the messages I want to get across here tonight is, to keep coming, to be the person who goes, I'm there. I'm there through all circumstances. I'm there through all uh, situations. I'm in the house of God. I'm going to be like Mick Sabat. I'm here. I'm here Sunday in, Sunday out. Because it matters. It matters. These few minutes matter. Just like this mattered to the whole thing. I don't know what to do with that right now. I know if I auctioned it off, I'd get about three cents. But it matters. It matters. That little thing made such a difference. And this environment we need in our life, we need the house of God. We need this environment for us. Because we go out into the world and we need this to carry us into the world. Because we have to rule out there. We can't allow out there to be the thing that's dominant in our life. The influences. The situations, we need to be strong, strong in our faith, strong in who we are. And this is where we get the strength. It's here on a Sunday. It's This is refueling time. This is where we get ready to go forward. This is where we get ready. And I just know that the enemy, he's actually quite cunning. And he will want to not have us planted in the house. 
He knows this is the place we thrive. He knows this is the place we're productive. He knows this is the place where we will flourish in life and he will do all he can, all he can to stop us being in the house of God. He'll want us to get offended because the pastor didn't smile because they had something else in their mind and kind of walked past. They'll want us to, 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 to have other things and passions kind of get in the way of Sunday. They'll want us to, he'll want us to get discouraged and start to think crazy things like no one cares. And he'll want us to, 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 to try and get shame overtake us so badly that we're like, I can't show up. At ch- no, you keep coming through all things because you are loved in this house. God wants you in this house. It doesn't matter what's happened that week. It doesn't matter what happened on the Saturday night. Keep coming to the house of God because this is where you'll flourish. This is where you'll thrive. This is the place. It is. It's the place. It's the place. And over the summer, I've watched a fair bit of cricket on TV. I'm waiting for my wife to go, amen, but I'll never hear that. And one of the things I love about cricket, I love all the forms of cricket. Some cricket matches go for three hours. There's another format that, you know, goes for six hours. And there's test matches that go for five beautiful days. And it's glorious. It's glorious. But I love sometimes the, the tactical side of a test match. And sometimes you just get great insight by the, the, the commentators who have often played for Australia or their, their nation themselves. They have great insights into cricket. And sometimes you hear them and they, they talk about how, uh, how a batter, for instance, has been studied by the opposition and how they actually set like a snare or a trap to get them out. They may know they've got a certain weakness and the, the bowler will come in and, and, and bowl like two, four, six, eight deliveries in one spot and then they'll, they'll change it up just hoping that that little weakness they know is in there, it'll snare them into a, a rash shot or something and they'll get them out. It's very, very technical. And I want to remind us that sometimes the enemy, he's, he's out there to snare us. We just have to get really firm in like, oh, under no circumstances will the house of God ever not be a priority for me, for my family. This is where you will find me. I'm in the house of God. Charles Spurgeon, one of the great preachers of all time, said this, Satan always hates Christian fellowship. It is his policy to keep Christians apart. Anything which can divide saints from one another, he delights in. Since union is strength, he does his best to promote separation. Let's stay on track. Let's make it a priority. It's a priority to Jesus. Let's make it a priority in our life. Let's be here through thick and thin. We are in the house of God because we need it. But not only do we need it, others need it. Do you know your, your presence makes a difference to those around you? Never think, oh, you know, it's, I'm not in, just you showing up makes a difference. Your smile, your handshake to someone, your encouragement sometimes. You've got a place in the house of God and it's vacant if you don't show up. It's your place. It's your place to make a difference. It's for you to come along. Your voice in worship, even if it's a voice like mine, it still makes a difference. Your presence, like all the things that you have to bring, they all make a difference. Chris Abbott, before we started the service tonight, talked about how 
sometimes we're different, aren't we, Chris, in the house of God? You shared a little bit about this, didn't you? If I give you 60 seconds to give us a recap about fake flowers, what did you say? Tell us. I said that, hey, they can't see it. They can't see it. I said it's 60 seconds. Here we go. Ready? This is like a picture. This guy doesn't want to join. This is like a picture of the church, right? (laughs) And uh, every single one of us has a different shape. Some are leafy. uh, Some are um, spiky. Some some are beautiful. uh, But the best place to be isn't over here and isn't to be going from one pot to another, just as Pastor Hartley said earlier, but it's actually to be positioned perfectly in the church because all together they work, but there's actually gaps when, when people aren't there. So if we see people as the place of, as the house of God, if we see people, we'll know that they've got a certain place that they can flourish in in the house of God. That's my 60 seconds done. Love it, Chris. Fantastic. So your place matters. It really does. God wants you here. We want you here. So we want this place to be the life that it is and to continue. We see your family and your neighbours coming in in the future and getting touched in this place. Because... Life's short, we get one chance, and at the end of it, our relationship with Him is is the priority. It is the priority. No bank account, no assets, businesses that you've set up and are still running, they they mean nothing in in the scheme of eternity, to be honest with you. And I think that's a good thing to be reminded of. And as the band comes right now, my prayer is that we just get this fire on the inside of us that doesn't last oh, it lasts through to February to, to be drawn to the house of God, but it's actually like lifetime. It's actually like, no, I know this is good for me. I know it's good for me. I've shared my passion for surfing, and I do love to surf, and I, it feels good. It's a, it's a good way to get fitness in, but I don't get to do it that often. Often it's once a week. Last week was glorious, it was twice. So I know that I've got to do some other things for for my body to to be active. So I do some kind of backyard cross training. Don't ever walk past my house because you'll see some guy like hopping up and doing these up the hill and got this like little incline. Ask my wife, it's true. Do hops, I do all sorts of weird things and to be honest with you, <laughs> I don't really enjoy it. <laughs> but I know it's so good for me that I know that I have to do it and I, and I get it into my schedule. And I'm grateful that this house is incredible. We have fun. It's full of life and it's good. But if you ever find yourself thinking, oh, it's going to be hard to make it into the house of God today. It's been a tough week or a tough day. I'm tired, a bit worn out. The couch is calling. Get to the house of God. Get to the place where the Word of God promises you'll flourish. Where you'll flourish, where you'll come out fresher. Because that's what the house does. And just something that just happens to you. It wears off. It gets on to you. So make this place priority number one. So I said I'd give you the end of my title. And I started with 
if it's Sunday. Part two of my sermon title here tonight is, if it's Sunday, you'll know where to find me. It's in his house. It's in his house. And my prayer tonight would be that you would live with that same just flat out desire and want in your life that if it's Sunday for you, that your family, your friends will know where to find you because it will be in God's house. Week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. Because while I'm breathing on this earth, if it's Sunday, you'll know where to find me. Why don't we just close our eyes right now? God, we're so grateful for this house. What a privilege, Lord, to to be found in this place, to be here even tonight. And I would just pray for each and every one of us. That, Father God, we would make this priority in our life. Because things just don't work without it. Just like the surfing analogy, without that little rope, things just don't work how they're meant to. And I might have survived a surf or two, but eventually things just won't work out that well. And your word is a promise to us if we remain in your house that it's the place we can flourish. So help us, God to remain. Help us, Lord God, to show up enthusiastic, full of a good spirit. This is the bride of Christ. You gave your blood for this place. And we pray that we will honour you through how we talk about the house, how we, we walk up to the house, how we speak about the house. We pray that we would make this place shine, that we would bring you glory through how we look at and how we act out of the house of